Hi, welcome back. Episode 47 of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your host, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards, and I'm here again, as always, with my good friend and co-host, Max, aka Cards Max, aka Cards Max, Bowman Sterling, Tech Edition. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me as guest of the show on the Jackie Robinson number. Half a year, half centennial, dicentennial, dice. I feel great. We got a lot to talk about today, don't we, Tommy? You know, there's always a lot to talk about. You posted a card today that I did not know existed, which is Bowman Sterling Tech, Mike Trout. What's the deal with that set? Can you just give me a quick high level? So I've owned it for a few months and I bought it in a two card lot and I haven't moved it admittedly in a bit, but, um, yeah, at first, first time I saw it, I'm like, I have no idea what this thing is and it's an acetate card. So that's the tech part, but it's from Bowman Sterling and it was a Mike Trout blue out of 25 and it has the same picture, same image as his 2020 tops. And that's pretty cool. I feel like I feel like there's a lot of uh, people who think that's cool when images are used only twice, only twice, only twice, and it's the same as like an iconic card. I think that's pretty cool. Once it gets over two times use of an image, then it becomes uncool. You yeah, you can't use different images for everything that has the flagship border as well. A la Julio Rodriguez. A la Tops. How are they going to fuck it up this year? Um, what's on your mind, Max? What have you been up to last week? I've been traveling a little bit. I've been buying some vintage. I bought a card that I was talking about last week that I was exemplifying how they don't show up often. And then I found it at auction and bought it. It's the T202 Lord Catches His Man that has Shoeless Joe Jackson being tagged out. And Tommy, I brought this up like last week, right? Yeah, I was scrolling through PWCC and I found it at auction interestingly or not they make no mention of joe jackson on the lore on obviously on the card itself they don't mention joe jackson but pwcc didn't mention joe jackson either on the listing i've looked at other sales of this card heritage will mention joe jackson when listing and selling the card but i felt like that made it more towards my favor it was a it was a border it was a four figure card or on the borderline of that regardless. It's not like I was the only person that knew what I was bidding on, but it was surprising that they omitted that it was a Joe Jackson sliding being caught out on the card because the card doesn't mention it itself, but it's been confirmed for like the past like fifteen years that it is photo matched to be Joe Jackson. But I bought that in a beautiful PSA two, and that's going to be coming to me. And I'm probably just going to list it on eBay and then list it high and then enjoy it because I think there's only a hundred graded in the PSA population, but it's, it's a juge. It's a, it's as much of a Joe Jackson card as my Wander Franco Tampa Bay Rays team platinum would have won, which is hitting auction tonight. Hitting so, auction. It is oh auction. yeah. Cause the Braves, I forgot about that. Uh, wait, what about the Braves? The Rays. The Rays. What about the Rays? They're nine and oh. Oh, no. It I sent it out to consignment and it just reached reached the consignment place this week. No, today. By this week I mean today. That and my saucer of a Wander Franco PSA five. It's also hitting auction as well as a few other cards. The you'll find this amusing. The slab I tried to fit it all in a medium flat rate box. 
So I put my normal size slabs in bubble mailers and then in the box. But with the big PSA 5 slab, I was kind of just like, fuck it. And I just put it in the box unprotected. <laughs> and it got a small crack in it. That's very visible. Yeah. But I feel like it adds some more character to our PSA 5 of a slab. I'm very interested to hear what that sells for. Uh, for the listeners back home, Max is talking about a oversized Wanda Franco gold out of 10 um, that he got slabbed as a PSA 5. Now the crack, the slab is now cracked and a PSA 5 already. It has some bagel um, stains on it. And that's yeah. not like I think there's some cream cheese on it. Literally, Max used it as a plate when he was staying at my apartment. Um, it could fit probably a good portion meal if you were a normal person. Um, or a jumbo Wander Franco. Yes, and a good timing with the Rays off to a 9-0 start. Not a sports analysis podcast, but I do love to see that from a low market, uh, small market team. Max, good timing on that auction, even though you don't even know what's happening. I knew Wander started off with a home run and opening day, and that made me solidify that I was auctioning that. I think the record for most wins to start a season is 14, if I'm not mistaken. So interesting to see if they can reach that. Yeah, if that I did happens. Bruins, um, the Boston Bruins, as a different sport, like breaking the all time hockey wins record. That did happened you, this year? That happened like yesterday. I am so ignorant of hockey. And they have, oh, me too. And that happened. There's like two more games left in the season, and they're probably going to break the all time points record as well for like wins, losses, ties. Jeez. Hockey has a marketing problem. Um, yeah, it's like I didn't know what happened until after I saw that it happened. And I'm like, wow, this is, I had no idea. <laughs> well, Max, in my news, I'm going to be submitting my first card with our good friend Slab Mafia Sports, Rohan. I'm going to be sending him a, a Mickey Mantle 1969 white letters that my girlfriend's dad gave me to grade for him. Um, I put a poll up on my Twitter about who I should submit it with, Rohan or you. You won the poll. But I don't think many people understood the question and that it was a troll. So I'll yeah. leave it to that. We'll see what it gets. Um, where are you? What grading company are you submitting with? Uh, PSA. Um, actually, real quick, I actually have a crazy comparison for that card that I saw when I was submit- when I was texting Rohan about it because okay. I was like, I don't know, do I send it to SGC? What? We text. Yeah, we text too. Um, <laughs> Ro- dude. Five days apart, an SGC three of this card sold for six hundred and seventy six dollars. PSA three, over twelve hundred dollars, literally double the price. Same grade, different companies. Yeah. Don't do SGC unless yeah. you think like it can grade higher than PSA. I don't. What's the deal with SGC with vintage? I always hear that it's good with vintage. Why does it sell for such a lower premium sometimes? I think it's just ultimately that no one wants an SGC holder at the end of the day. I try not to discriminate much between an SGC one and a PSA one, but as it gets higher and higher, I try to stick away from SGC. I think the interesting thing, there's a local dealer that sets up at Long Island shows and he almost only does pre-war or the very least he's very pre-war heavy. And he had a lot of Beckett threes and fours and he said that several years ago or whenever he submitted them to Beckett to BVG to Beckett vintage grading, that he would only do a crossover if it would get two grades higher than the original PSA slab or SGC slab. And there are some BVGs at his table. 
Point so of the story. That he point, of the story point of the story. BVG sucks, and people don't like them. Is BVG even around anymore? Is that even a thing anymore? Yeah, they are. They it's for grading for pre nineteen seventy. I want to say they still do that. Oh my god, Beckett, get your shit together, my lord. Um, still not to, what? It's still Beckett. It's not BCCG. Yeah, whatever. I no one. I I've never even. I don't think I've ever once heard of anyone submitting anything to BVG like ever, ever, ever. Um. Nice. I had a topic in mind for this week that I just want to because we've never like explicitly talked about it. I've we've talked about it a little bit. But last week, I sent you a funny tweet of some guy who got this Albert Pujols atomic refractor shipped to him in a one touch that had a shipping label attached to the one touch. And I thought that was hilarious. Uh, but it made me think about like shipping in general. Um, how much we were talking before this about like, how often I'm shipping. I don't ship too often. Uh, you, you were asking me if I have one of those uh, label printer for shipping labels. Uh, I do not because I am don't ship enough to feel like warrant the investment. And I don't own a printer. You're a card culture list. Yes, whatever that means. I, I will tell people that whenever I have shipping labels to print, I go to the public library right next to my uh, apartment and I print them for free out of the public printer there a uh, little bit of an operation getting over there and signing in downloading the files printing them and then signing out uh, a little weird that i do that but if you're looking for a free printer option highly recommend the public library um i always am reusing shipping materials what not to be confused with the free mini library which also has cards located at it if you live by me and i happen to have empty blasters to fill up which um, you will do Yes, which I usually do. I haven't been ripping lately, though. Been uh, keeping myself honest out here. Tops is making it easy with the print runs on 2023 tops. I usually love ripping hangers, but 2023 tops, the, the odds are too. They're too great for me, even me. What's um, one card you want right now? One card I want right now? Yeah. I was looking at golf cards. It was the Masters, so I was like digging deep. There's All right, so I don't know if we've talked about this card before. Uh, Rory McIlroy, you know who that is, Max, as a yeah. layman. He uh, he has a 2012 card for Upper Deck SP Game Use. That's a short print. All uh, closest comparison would be like 661 Bryce Harper. Okay. Um, that card sells for a shit ton of money though. For Rory McIlroy, it sells for like often over a K for a PSA. Like I think a PSA 10 I was watching went for like 1800. Uh, kind of crazy for a non-autographed golf card. Usually those things don't go for much, but. I really want one of those. I don't know if I'm ever going to find one in a range that I'm comfortable spending, though. Um, other than that, just kind of like lurking on eBay. I actually bought this quad patch of Mike Trout, Buster Posey, Miguel Cabrera, and Adrian Beltre. Uh, I don't know if I talked about it last week, but cool card. Got this for 60 bucks plus shipping. I don't know. Just four dudes that I feel like define my like adolescence baseball watching and it, a bunch of cool-looking patches. I was uh, recently talking to our good friend Old Man Cards Max about how I was kind of feeling uninspired with my Buster Posey PC lately about new cards to get. Um, I always am feeling... I don't know. I, I feel like with the... If you listen to this podcast for a long time, you know that there was once a time where I consolidated a lot of my collection to buy a big Buster Posey card from Max. That was that, unironically half a year ago. Or so. Yeah, unironically half a year ago. Um, I... 
was very motivated by that the uh the sale the selling and just like getting the card recently kind of like felt like i had reached kind of like a peak of my collection with buster i didn't really know where to go next but i decided to go with uh some like multiplayer cards where he has a card with like other guys that i consider to be the best of the era or like are fun so i have like that that kershaw card i think i talked about last week um this mike trout cabrera adrian beltre this week it's motivating me a little bit it's fun to collect multiplayer cards we've talked about that before it's um, like how do you assemble a collection that has maintains value not in not monetarily but in scarcity and coolness like there's yeah. some cool cards from the mid 2000s that aren't worth much but are just very coveted and just in demand like your card okay for all the two stars out there, your card fucks. Yes, I agree. That adds value to a collection. Even though the monetary value is the monetary value, it's not liquid or changing. Yeah. This is a card analysis collection. How do I best improve the collect to cost ratio? Don't buy new stuff. Um wait to see how like only buy cards that are a certain amount of year old i would agree i I sometimes will say to myself like keep things to player the years that players were playing their career actively so this card for buster posey's from 2020 while he sat out that COVID year he was still active in his career um i've kind of decided to draw the line where i'm not really going to try to collect his cards post career um we've talked about it Dude, one thing we forgot to talk about from the Mint Collective is that they said that they're going to give those, the like, Hall of Fame older guys, like, Bowman first cards in Bowman now, which I feel like was kind of an idea we talked about, kind of, more or less, right? You know what that reminds me of? What does that remind you of? The 2016-2017 National Redemption Packs. They had like Babe Ruth Bowman Chromes in there, and they had some select Hall of Famers and they looked good. Yeah, I feel like Prism. You know what really... What'd you say? You know what I'm referring to? No idea. I, I hate the national cards. I think the national cards no, are the biggest no. scheme. No, I'm telling you, it looks cool, man. All right, well, send it to me. Okay, I just sent you a picture right now. Okay. You can Look. hear the sound. You can we hear are... the sound. You can hear the transfer. Oh, and you can't heard it come through on my end because we Someone both. Someone doesn't have oh. to disturb in. We both forgot Do Not Disturb Nice. Or I forgot, at least. Um, I forgot, then remembered. We forgot, and then we remembered. Oh, okay, I've seen this card. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. But, like, it would be cooler with the first on it, I think. Yeah, like, that as a legitimate one-time thing, it'd be a novelty. And what, isn't it only golds and lower print? Yeah, I think they're going to be, like, kind of treated more or less, like, uh, tops chrome short prints you know you know where oh, they have, I thought like, it was just like there's a 50 there's an out of 25 and there's a out of five and an out of one yeah that I, was, I don't know about that but um either I way guess. shout out tops uh, shout out i shout out the push notification going to my screen tommy has notification silenced notify anyway <laughs> yep uh but oh my god of course you sent it to me no, I pressed the notify anyway button. Oh my god, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is off to a absolutely heinous start. We're going to keep it going, though. 
heinous is subjective. Heinous is subjective. I am excited about the basketball playoffs. There is a guy who I know from TCDB who has the most Clay Thompson cards in the world who liquidates in batches on eBay auctions once or twice a year. He just listed about 100 Clay Thompson listings, a lot of like lots and stuff, a lot of rare stuff. He does this once or twice a year. He'll start like 100 auctions of Clay cards, let them ride, liquidate a little bit. Um, I've messaged with him a few times. He's not really interested in like reaching out to me or anything, but it's always fun to see that happen. But I, then I remember that it's playoffs starting, but then, you know, we've had this debate, Max, back and forth about like, the only reason a card's up for auction is because it's during this like peak attention span. But does that mean that you should not try to go for it because you know it's going to go at the peak of what it should go at, but you won't see it again, maybe? Look, this is a card analysis podcast. Yes. Think about Tatis steroids suspension. The rare instance where attention is peaked, but in a negative way correlating to price and there in August, was it, when Tatis was returning from or slated to return from from, uh, from injury, then he gets it with the suspension. There were several rare Tatises that just flood and hit the market. And if you wanted a shot at one, you had to buy it because who knows the next time you're going to see some of these crazy rare cards. Crazy rare cards, unless they are of Tyrese Maxey when he's day-to-day not playing right before playoffs and overall just when basketball is cold, unless it's like that, generally rare cards don't get auctioned. And if they do get auctioned, they don't get auctioned during times of irrelevance. So you do have to pay the fee. Rare card, especially this is especially common principle in vintage. Rare cards are rare partly because they don't show up often and no one has any idea, either no one has any idea where they are or any idea how to access them and make an offer on them. If you have, if your Clay Thompson Grail card gets relisted three or four times, you know that it's essentially that no one wants, is willing to pay that amount that the winning bid won at. And the mystique is, he is taken away to an extent. Yeah, I will say though, real quick, the guy who does this, he lists them all at 99 cent auction. So he is definitely for the collector. I, re- I respect that move. We're um, 47 weeks in, and this is the first time uh, you've said this word. Uh, that's pretty based. That's pretty based. Max, I saw you post a pretty rare card. One would argue tied for the rarest card of all time in the world. Uh, you posted a 101 Tyrese Maxi uh, Contenders Auto. Rookie, right? That's a rookie auto 101? Yeah. Can you, what's the story with this? You already sold it. So give me the deets. <laughs> well, I was searching on eBay, PSA 9, BGS 9, BGS 9 5, and it was a PSA 9. So I found it and I typed in a number and put it in Gixon and I bid on it. And then I won. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you won. Uh, it has not even reached your hands yet, right? Yeah, that's correct. And then you already sold it. Yeah, that's correct. I sold it to a um, friend who's in the local area, Colby. I saw him at the Harsbrook Heights show, but he PCs Tyrese Maxey, probably going to be the centerpiece of his collection, although I don't know if he's collecting to collect or to eventually flip some of the pieces. I think he does a little bit of both, especially with Maxey. And 
the price made sense to where it was worth bidding at auction. I was looking at some recent sales of it. I think there was a sale at 6700 in December. And then in preseason, it did 12000 And I won it for 3100 So I won it at 20% of the price of preseason. So two people took big L's on that card. <laughs> yes. And I took my 10% or so, and I gave it to Colby. Nice. That's a that's a that's a classic cards max hooking up the collector moment yeah. right there. I so my, my rationale for that card, given that I didn't expect to sell it that quickly, which is always what it usually is. Um, hold it, you know, kind of shop it when I have it. If you see my comp, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> um, I'm at, I would have asked five k OBO. I would have look Sixers are winning the first round. They play the Celtics second round, which would have been tough. And I knew that Eastern Conference Finals was in May 17th to 18th. It was, the, I think, Eastern Conference Finals is the same week as Dallas Card Show. And I knew if like the Phillies could survive until then, I'd, the I'd, I'd be set in being able to move that card. You said the Phillies. Really, it just would take one 20, 25 point game by Tyrese Maxey for that card to double. Yeah. But um, I'll take the risk-free route when relevant. When uh, you we were discussing this card today um, be- between each other over text message, and I was hating on contenders autos for basketball as uninspired. Um, I don't particularly think they're cool. I don't. I think contenders basketball is one of the worst products that Panini puts out. I like contenders optic because the inserts. Uh, I think they're pretty cool, but. Um, Contenders basketball does not get it for me. One on one Tyrese Maxi auto rookie though, pretty cool. But I don't. I think I've been seeing a lot of like. I think contenders basketball might have recently got been put out or something. Um, doesn't really do it for me though. I don't know why. I'd rather have the optic base auto. Oh yeah, when we're talking about Panini, does not have much consistency at all, and. With tops, it's very easy to say what the go-tos are. And with Panini, it's very difficult. And um, I was telling my partly degenerate friend who does whatnot breaks two or three times a week. I took him to his second card show on Thursday. It was a Thursday night card show. And that was pretty fun. And I showed him some of my... <laughs> I, you know, I talked to some of my dealer friends and he was with me. And uh, we ripped a box of contenders together. And his mission is to find a very fun Jalen Hurts card that could appreciate as we head into the season because he's a Philly Philadelphia Eagles fan. And I try to just try to break down Panini because it's very difficult. But I'm like, okay, Prism, that's your go-to non-auto, non-patch. Contenders, that is your go-to auto, no-patch. And National Treasures, or Immaculate or Flawless, that is your go-to patch auto. But the fact that even had it like deviated into three different brands without any rhyme or reason or any rationale besides just, yeah, this is how it works. And brands like Flux and Panini Cornerstone for baseball suck. Oh my God. It's a leap of, it's an intellectual leap of faith that I had difficulty defending the rationality behind. I feel like something I've been noticing is that Panini is really trying to make every single product have some sort of logo man shield 101 auto 
um, at least one of those. Uh, so they're putting patches in products that like usually don't what I wouldn't associate with patch cards. Like there's patches in contenders. Yeah, makes zero sense. Yeah, like just I don't think we ripped we ripped a box of uh, contenders together. I mean, he he enjoyed it. I try to stay away from that game, and we pulled a cracked ice variation auto, and then that was me trying to explain to him. Great, right parallel, right type of card, wrong player. Kenny Pickett, 5K card. Jake Lively, Jake Likely, I think is his name. Josh Likely, something like that. Jake Likely, tight end for the Baltimore Ravens. We're having it ran at auction right now, and it's at 50 bucks. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's like we hit a 80th percentile box, and we got the exact type of card you want to hit in a box at a Mackerel Auto, and you're going to make – 85 bucks or a hundred bucks off this $300 box. Yeah. It's, it's no bueno. Uh, I think a cut, a, a take that I'll throw out there, see if people agree with me. Like I don't really want every product to have patches in it. I don't think it's really yeah. necessary. I do enjoy pivoting to this example though, just because it's like my connection to a collector who has almost no experience with cards and wants to learn more, but is having difficulties or habits or whatever. Patches, when they're cool, are cool. Panini is trying to force everything. Uh, big card, man, is taking, is plucking out the Panini heads and putting it into their own big card corporate offices. Yeah, and that was, uh, have you been following that? Sometimes. So I guess Fanatics has been like poaching a bunch of Fanatics or a bunch of uh, Panini execs. Uh, does not give me much hope that they are going to be changing the industry. Like they keep saying they are going to um, hiring a bunch of people who I think a lot of us agree we're run are running a company that does not always have the best interest of the long-term hobby and growth than its interest all the time. Um, so red flag to me that they're hiring a bunch of Panini people, not really hyped about that. Um, would love to see some would love to see some outside voices and leadership for fanatics that maybe have some different perspectives to bring that aren't the same perspectives that have been a part of hobby decision-making for the last decades. Um, I don't think the hobby has been growing because of decisions that were made by Panini at all in the last couple of decades. I think that the hobby has grown in spite of those decisions that have been made. Um, we're pretty vocal about hating on the lack of odds on packs, the lack of transparency from Panini. Um, their continued pushing of non-game use, this relic is not from anyone's toilet, bed, or car, um, that sort of shit. Just the continued skepticism for me just is growing, Max. Uh, what are your thoughts? My thoughts are that I love baseball cards and I'll be here no matter what. Yeah, I'll be here no matter what too. I know uh, our our good friend Eric loves saying, you know, we'll be here. The collectors will always be around. Um, but yes. sometimes the you need you may need the hobby more than the hobby needs you. So if you need to take a break and then come back, it's okay. The hobby yeah. will still be here. Still be here. You're right. Um, and the cards that are sold on eBay while you're gone, it's not going to be a big deal. You'll find other cool ones. But yeah. uh, another win for Leaf this week, Max. Your good Wait, friend, Brian Leaf. Another, another win? What was the first one? 
there's all you we talk about the leaf wins uh i have a hilarious picture of max with brian gray from the chicago spectacular that brian gray did not know was being taken but they got the first card for angel reese i think it's oh from uh lsu the lsu woman uh we'll see if that means anything to anybody but I do like the investment into topical characters of the media, sports media, and trying to capitalize on that uh, interest. I think that's something that they should be doing more of on Tops Now and stuff. Like, give me this celebrity is at a game cards uh, on Tops Now, and I will be buying them much more than I do currently buy their cards. Yeah, Leaf does fun stuff. Leaf breaks the paradigm. They break the box. Leaf is big card in their own way, but they're not big card. They are an independence conglomerate, and they're able to connect more with what some people want. I would have never gotten an Angela Reese card. I would have never gotten an Olivia Dunn card. Or Harambe. Or Harambe. Or when they got flack for the COVID-19 virus card. Or the the Joe Exotic card with uh, Carol Baskin. There's all these other cards that wouldn't even exist, man. So, and Leaf has the power to put these cards into reality. Not anyone can do that. One sticker auto at a time. Onyx makes their own cards. Onyx fucking sucks. Do they suck? They do suck. That's fair. Well... Max, I'm excited to announce that next week we'll be having the second appearance of our good friend Mitch, aka at IMO Mitch Cards, I think is his Twitter handle. Um, So if you guys got any questions about 90s inserts and turn of the century serial number nonsense, uh, reach out to us with some some questions or anecdotes or anything that you want us to ask Mitch about. Mitch is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the heyday of competition between companies and weird stuff that was being tried out pacific brand specifically he knows a a ton about i would definitely recommend listening to that episode uh his first episode i'm not sure what number it is off the top of my head but in preparation for this for this next week's interview with mitch uh definitely would recommend checking out that episode but max uh we've talked a lot about cards we bought recently but we also missed out on my topic of shipping, which I think no one was excited about, so I'm okay skipping out on that topic. Anyway, I want to hear about cards you bought on eBay. Uh, I'm going to do a quick update on my Compsy sales, though, while you're looking. Uh, I sold a 2005 Tops update and highlights. Andrew Jones, Derek Lee, Albert Pools, League Leaders Gold out of 2005 for $3. I sold a 1991 Bill Belichick Pro Set Base Rookie Card for $1. I sold a 2000 Tops Home Team Advantage Complete Set uh, Variation Kyle Ripken for $1. I sold the same set of Chipper Jones for $1. Some wins for me this week. Uh, I thought that Andrew Jones, Derek Lee, Everpool's League Leaders Gold was a cool one. It also made me re- remember that in 2005, they had League Leaders cards in Update, um, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, not something that they do anymore. But update and highlights, real ones remember when update was called update and highlights. Um, even realer ones know when it was traded and rookies and traded or something, right? Traded rookies. Um, 
Those are my fun compsy updates for you this week, Max. What did you buy? I bought a Vladimir Guerrero Topps Chrome Gold 201 rookie out of 50. I bought a Tyrese Maxey Contenders Variation Championship Ticket 1 of 1 PSA 9. I bought, oh, this is a cool one that I didn't think I'd be buying, but the price I was bidding at auction and it worked out. And I think the prices are low enough to where they make sense. A Agua Sapphire Julio Rodriguez Bowman Chrome Sapphire rookie. Those are cool. Um, I bought a Jackson Churio Blue Auto BGS 9. All 9.5 subs, but 8.5 centering. That's going to be fun. And just a few Jackson Churio and Jackson Holiday autos. Nothing real crazy. As for, yeah, I'm going to leave cool. it on that note. You've been really into the prospecting lately, and which usually gets me really bored really fast. No, the thing is, like, I don't care at all about prospecting. I just that other people care. Yeah, I feel like you're a big, like, oh, everyone says this guy is good, so I'll, I'll buy his car if the price is right, because I know that I'll be able to sell it to somebody else who thinks that he's really good. I feel like- thing about, I mean, I'm just going to spit some free game alert right now. I don't care about prospecting. I don't care if a player performs well or performs poorly. I want the card out of my hand as soon as possible after I get my margin, assuming it's not cool. And it's not a cool card that I genuinely enjoy. If you're buying from me, I want you to win. I hope you win. And But I know deep in my heart that nine times out of ten, you may not win or you're not going to time the market correctly. Not you specifically as a buyer, but just anyone in general. I know I can't beat the market, but I know I get my margin. I get out. I find the card that makes sense. If you get an offer for a card of a player that has not debuted in the MLB, and that offer is more than what you paid for the card, you should sell that card. Yes or no? Not necessarily, but I mean, even it's not just baseball. I mean, I've had a few dances and salsas with Cole Anthony. That's that's also I might Cole Anthony Gold Pulsar PSA nine also up at auction. Yeah, but Cole Anthony plays in per- in the highest league of basketball in the world and Jackson Cheerio and Jackson Holiday are not even close to reaching as you uh, so fondly referred to it as quadruple A ball. I could have uh, I could have contractually given out compensation for any bet that I had that Cole Anthony was going to be an all-star by this point in his career. Yeah, and that's why, as I frequently remind you, you do not really know ball when it comes to basketball, Max, as much as I love you. Thing is, no one knows ball. Well, the thing is that card people only care about like the top 0.001% of all NBA guys. Um, You have to be better than Dwayne Wade to get highly relevant. But you can hit a huge lick like on a Jordan Poole or on a Desmond Bain. Or on a Cameron Thomas. Or on a Cam Thomas. The biggest thing... As, is it because this is a card analysis podcast sometimes don't buy the best card possible in th- the most amount of money you can if you really want to speculate on someone buy the true red auto buy the super fractor buy the gold out of 10 don't put your money which is what we had a little bubble pop and don't buy 20 psa 10 base cards no don't because we've talked about the decline of it being 
base being dead, retail be, retail parallels being dead, retail numbered being dead. And now it's really, especially in Bowman Chrome, it's just your true blue, your true golds, and your oranges, your reds, your your supers that anyone really, oranges, anyone really cares about. Like true blue is like the lowest auto that people will like actually want to care about. I definitely remember I talked to uh, one of our friends, Alex Delco Rips at a show, I think it was Vegas last year. And we were talking about this exact concept of like, if you're going to take a gamble on someone, you need to take like an actual like, you need to buy the card exactly what you're saying, like the card that's cool that you know, people care about. I think he was at the time putting some money into Tyrese Maxi cards. He's from Philadelphia. I think it's like, yeah, he has a lot of buyers for that sort of stuff. He bought like an out of four flux PSA 10. He was like, Oh, I got it for a good deal. I thought this was a cool card. Turns out he didn't really get a good deal. Just no one really wants a flux parallel. There's nothing wrong with buying or selling the card, especially with fear like Delco or Alex, and you're doing it from a money standpoint. Of course, I like I often leverage my prospecting into guys that I will just exit and enter my margin. That like my Curtis Mead Sapphire autos, even the Oswaldo Cabrera Sapphire auto that I just picked up. I like Oswaldo Cabrera. I think he's good. I'm a Yankees fan. I'm gonna pivot my grading into grading that because I think it's also going to appreciate over the short two month, hopefully one month time span that I'm going to be owning it. But there's not really any card that it's like, okay, I am definitely going to own this card for over a year because you're going to be in the red at some point. Yeah. Unless it's vintage. Good advice. This, this episode is full of a lot of random anecdotes. Uh, I might have to call this one sports card nonsense or something. That might be a good title for this episode. Um, yeah. I bought one card, Max, that I showed you. I bought a 2023 top, Stephen Kwan, Gold Cup, Black, out of 72. 72 is a little wild to see that number for the Black Parallels uh, when I'm usually used to seeing the 60s and 50s when I'm on my eBay searches. But was hyped to get that for 35 bucks shipped on eBay. I uh, didn't have anyone bidding against me. It was a classic case of someone starting an auction too high, but that price still being what I would have been fine taking a bin at. So put like a absolute lowest put the starting bid as my bid and no one bid against me so that's a fun win um and then i bought another i now own two of the 76 of the austin or uh oh i forget his first name the guy who wrote catch 22 he has a 2011 no, joseph heller joseph heller thank you i've never read the book tommy i did read the book but that book if you want to just get brain fucked read catch 22 catch 22 uh one of my favorites uh i now own two of the 76 of his 2011 tops american pie out of 76 spotlight parallels um i believe it's his only card i've talked about it before talked about before how i like that set and how it has like the only cards for a lot of like relatively famous or influential people um that's one i got for 25 bucks which 25 bucks for rare stuff max when you say tommy what cards are you looking to buy uh, for your collection, rare stuff for under thirty bucks of people that only have one card. That's that's the sort of shit that will get me to spend twenty five, thirty bucks. All that's a, good a lot. That's a good way of putting it. Tommy, do you like baseball cards? Max, I had someone make that exact joke to me this week. Uh, I didn't know if to laugh or cry. That wasn't a joke. <laughs> yes, uh, Max. I'm gonna shut us down now. Unless you have something that you want to say. Yeah, last uh, last thing. Random thought of the pod. Do you have blackout curtains? 
No, I do not have blackout curtains. You know anyone who's ever gotten blackout curtains? Me, sophomore year of college. Are they good? Yeah. Are you talking about sleeping? Yeah. Are you having issues sleeping, Max? Yeah, I think I'm going to buy some blackout curtains. They're good. They're good. They're probably good for your like little pictures, too. Yeah, I think uh, I think we're going to end end the pod with a the random thought of the week. And uh, Let me hear you. random thought was blackout curtains. I like blackout curtains. Um, I had issues, though, in like, college of sleeping in too late since joining the workforce of capitalism. Really? For me, it's the opposite. I, I'm up too early. Like, really? the tiniest ounce of daylight will awaken me. See, that's where I'm at now. Now that I drink coffee and am up, like, my body is used to getting up early for work. Like, I can't sleep past 8.30 on the weekends really without having to like force myself which me two years ago three years ago when i was like so i don't know if i've said this on the podcast but i like graduated college december 2019 i was class of 2020 i was gonna i my whole plan was i was gonna graduate early travel for a little bit obviously that didn't work out with covid and everything but i had like a solid like four months of time where i was not in school and not expected to be like actively looking for a job and that was some peak degeneracy for me. I was I was staying up, staying up late, sleeping in late. Uh, lived a completely different lifestyle than I do now, uh, which is always wild to think about. But um, shout out everyone who graduated college or went through school during COVID what advice times. Would you give to your younger self. What advice would I give my younger self? Yes, reflective of that period of time. Buy more cards. Buy even more cards than you have. No, I'm kidding. Um, Someone, I don't know, man. Someone told me that joke this week, and I didn't know if I should have laughed or cried. <laughs> Thank you for that callback so quickly. I don't know, man. I think that, like, what I always tell people is just be ready for, like, the opportunities that come to you. So, like, if you think that something could be an opportunity, pursue it and see if it is. Even if it's not, it's not a big deal. Um, just shoot a lot of shots and, like, be ready when you see an opportunity that you feel like you could take and be confident. Like, I don't know. I, I interview a lot of people and I get a lot of people who are like clearly nervous about the interview. And I get some people who seem to like rise to the occasion and those are the people or not rise to the occasion, but like, are at least trying to fake it till they make it. And I always respect those people a little bit more. Um, mad respect to the nervous people though. That was me when I first started looking for like jobs and interviewing. I did not, was not confident in myself, was not like, was not a good interviewer. It wasn't necessarily exclusive to jobs and career. I was just speaking in general. Yeah, that, that's where my head's at then. I yeah. Always, always ask the girl what, I don't know, what uh, whatever motif you want to incorporate. <laughs> always, always rip the hanger. Uh, oh, yeah. well, with reflective to your budget, yes. Always, always rip the the, the hanger. Yeah, rip responsibly. Though. You know what? what? No, no. Um, 80% Eighty percent of the time, you rip the rip card. One hundred percent of the time. Well, the rip card. If it's a tops rip card from a year where they have some big hits, you always rip the card. Yes Even if no. it means you pull a Wilson Contreras red ink auto. Did you get that graded, or you just sell it? I have no idea where it is. <laughs> I have the rip card. I don't know where the auto is. Oh my god, you're crazy, bro. Oh my god, bro, you're crazy. All right. Max, next week, Mitch, 
we'll have a lot of fun random shit to talk about with Mitch. He's always a good Mitch time. He's going to take us to hobby night school and give us some sports car nonsense. Have you been? Yeah, never mind. This is not important. We'll talk about it next week. This yeah, has been long enough of nonsense. Yeah, um, <laughs> Max, this was fun. Uh, you have any parting words of wisdom? I just want to say next week's going to be a blast. Be ready yeah. for an hour and a half long episode. I will update on the blackout curtains. Peace. Peace.